Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. I feel the Lord has a word for us today. I'm always amazed how the Holy Spirit guides the pulpit team in selecting certain topics to be addressed on that day. And today's no exception. I believe the topic chosen for today is a word for this moment. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are sovereign, that you haven't moved an inch from your throne. Nothing will ever be able to do that. Lord, I speak today. I pray for a baptism of love to be released to your body and that people would experience the power of your presence, even with their headphones on or with the iPhones in front of them, whatever it may be. Lord, let them feel you, your presence, and help us to trust you through it all in Jesus' name. The title of my message today is Triple Threat. Stand firm in God's power, armor, and prayer. And I'm going to be preaching from a very familiar text, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Now, most of you know what a triple threat is. It is a person, especially a performer or an athlete, who excels in three skills in their particular field. Well, I'd like to propose that as Christians, we can be a triple threat to the kingdom of darkness. When we stand firm in the power of God, when we take on the armor that he provides, and when we pray in the spirit with all kinds of prayer. My family and I, we went to Guatemala two years ago to serve there, and we had the opportunity to meet this little woman. She was 95 years old. Now, she couldn't stand on her own. Her body wasn't physically able to do that anymore. But she knew what it meant to stand firm in God's power. And she knew what it meant to wear that armor day and night. And she prayed with all kinds of prayer in the spirit for everyone around the, the world. When we came to visit her, she was singing praises to God and praying. That little old lady was a triple threat to the kingdom of darkness. Today, we are working our way through this series called Undeceptions, Peering into the Truth. And just to remind us what we mean by that, undeception is the point of being freed from a misconception about yourself and the world, which then changes the way you see everything else. And you know the interesting thing about deception? It blinds a person. They don't realize that they are caught in a lie. Other people around them may see it, but until that blindfold is removed and they're able to peer through the lenses of truth, they're blinded. And one of the biggest tactics that Satan uses to keep people blindfolded is fear. Fear obstructs our view of God and his promises. Satan takes on to whatever fear may be there, and he magnifies it trying to convince us that God is not able to move in that particular situation, whatever it may be. Men and women of God, he is calling us to wake up in this hour, to not deny the reality of a situation, not to be foolish. I'm married to a doctor, so I, he's drilled me on what I need to do to protect myself and my family. We need to be smart about this. But what do we do with the fear? David says, I have sought the Lord, and he has delivered me from all of my fears. 
And that's what we do. When we have a fear, we bring it before God and we get his perspective. We find out what he has to say about that situation. Do not let fear blind you to what God has made available to you today. You have been placed here for a purpose. You are called, you are chosen, you are predestined to walk in good works that Christ has, had chosen for you to do even before the world was created. It's time to stop hitting that snooze button on the call of your life and wake up and join him in what he is doing in this very moment. You are a part of that. So we don't have to sit back in our rooms, at home, in this time that we're separated from other people, cowering in fear. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. No, we have power. We have unlimited power through the one who gives us that power. It's not our own. It belongs to him, and he works through us. So we don't have to watch helplessly, even as our nation seems to be unraveling morally, and our children being snatched before us, no, 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 we are not meant to sit back and just pretend like nothing's happening. Being helpless, God is turning our attention to him in this hour. So let's turn our attention now to the text, Ephesians 6. I find it interesting that Paul chooses to address this topic of our warfare against the demonic realm And he does this immediately after talking about our relationships with other people, even family members, because sometimes other people and family members, they seem like they are the demons, right? Yes, when Angelisa was 10 years old, I get a text from her. She had been fighting with her little brother, and and it said, Joshua, I loathe him. He is a monstrosity of evil. (laughs) That was a bit dramatic. And then two hours later, she's, you know, back to normal. They're hanging out and doing what kids do. But Paul is telling us here the true battle, the hand-to-hand conflict, it is not against our family members. It's not against our coworkers, our neighbors, or that lovely individual who just took the parking space you've been waiting for, or that last package of toilet paper on the shelf. No, our battle is against an enemy that our eyes can't see, but is very real. So Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Anytime you read, be strong in the Lord or be strong and courageous, there's a reason why those words are spoken. It's because the situation demands it. And this situation demands it as well. Our limited strength In our human bodies, it's no match for the enemy that we have. But our God, he is all-powerful. So what does it look like to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might? How do we experience that in our lives? Well, in this verse, here in verse 10, there are three Greek words that Paul uses to describe might, power, and strength. And those words are echoed because he speaks those in chapter 1, verse 19, in a prayer. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. 
So that power that Paul's referring to is the Holy Spirit that lives within us, the resurrection power. That is the power, the strength that we have through Christ. So how do we do this? How do we tap into this power and stay plugged in to what the Holy Spirit is doing, strengthening ourselves in the Lord? Number one, know your position in Christ. And Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 6 talks about this. Because when we were dead in our trespasses, God, even then, God made us alive together with Christ, and he raised us up with him, and now we are seated with him in heavenly realms. That's incredible. We have been given authority as believers because we are in Christ, who has authority over every power and dominion. And the most essential part of knowing this is that it is accomplished in relationship with God. We have authority in Christ because of our relationship with him. It's never done apart from him. Which leads us to that second point. Know the love that surpasses knowledge. The prayer that Paul uses in chapter 3 should be our prayer. That God the Father would strengthen us with the power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. This is powerful. For those who know this love, it's not just a head knowledge. It surpasses into every part of our experience. It's it envelops our life. It helps us to do life. And it grounds us to the one who loves us more than we can ever imagine. While the enemy uses fear to, to manipulate and control. Our God, he conquers the human heart with his love. A perfect love that drives out all fear. Those who know this love, they're like a tree planted by a stream whose roots grow deep in the soil. They are firmly planted. Their branches reach high, and they bear much fruit because they are rooted in Him. They do not fear the future because they are secured to the one who holds it. They do not fear the storms of life because He is the one who has authority over the wind and the waves. They do not fear in times of famine or disaster because he's the one who supplies all their needs. And there is a, a release of understanding this when you know how much you're loved by our Father. There's no fear of lack. And that's something else I'm sensing, even when I'm going to the grocery store yesterday, seeing the empty shelves and, and just the sense of, of fear uh, that there's not going to be enough in Christ. We don't need to be afraid. He will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Seek first his kingdom and his, his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. No fear to lack. And to know this love, this gives us the most secure footing against the devil. But of course, Satan knows this. And he's going to come at you with lies. Tell me if you recognize this voice. Okay. If God really loved you, why did he allow you to experience that pain? 
if God really loves the world, like he says, then why is he allowing this virus to spread? If God really loved you, why doesn't he answer that prayer? Those are the voice of a liar. And if we allow that lie to get rooted in our hearts and our experience, it will build a stronghold and, pre and prevent us from experiencing the love of God. So we take the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, and we demolish them, and we say, no, that is not the word of God. That is not my experience. This is not what God says. I am standing upon his word because he is truth. Devil, you're a liar. Get behind me now. Amen? <laughs> and finally, on this part, stay connected to the source. The words in Christ or in him are listed 11 times in the first 14 verses of chapter 1 of Ephesians. I think Paul's trying to make a point there. You see, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. In him, we are able to accomplish the impossible. Our union with Christ means that we are going to be seeking him. In our quiet times, we're going to be reading his word. We are going to be um, asking the Holy Spirit to lead us in our everyday activities. But being one with Christ also means that we are part of his body. You can't just have the head and not the body. You are part of the body of Christ. So we need to make sure that we're connected with the body of Christ. Even in our times of being isolated, don't let that disconnect you from his body. There's ways to do this. I mean, people, we're going to be home with our kids for two weeks. We're going to need to reach out somehow to other people, right? So get on your phone, text somebody, FaceTime them. I believe the Holy Spirit this week is going to put in your heart somebody who needs to receive a word. Take that word, that scripture, that encouragement, that prayer, and call them. Let the Lord lead you in this time. I believe he's doing something amazing to connect the body of Christ even deeper. Even though the enemy is trying to keep us away, God has a way of connecting us in this time, and he's going to make it powerful. So yield to him even in this. Stand firm in God's armor. Let's move on. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggle. And that word there is hand-to-hand -hand combat. <clears throat> Excuse me, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, that's pretty intimidating language, and it's done so to make a point. We should not underestimate the devil, nor should we overestimate him. So we've already established that God is all-powerful. We have nothing to fear. So having an irrational view of Satan, you know, that's just wrong. But pretending like Satan doesn't exist and that he's not plotting and has schemes against us, well, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it is. C.S. Lewis says this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. We shouldn't do either. They themselves, and he's talking about the devils, 
they are equally pleased by both errors. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. So we need to walk in the gift of discernment so that we can recognize when the devil's fingerprints are on a situation and respond appropriately. Let's continue. Verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. The full armor of God, not one piece is left out. And this armor works because it is God's armor that he has given to us, divinely forged and fashioned. Each piece of the armor reveals what we have received through Christ. Because God has made this armor himself and has worn it himself, as we'll see in a little bit, we can be confident that it will provide the protection and coverage that we need. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you're going to be protected from suffering. And that just goes against scripture and what we see. Even the Son of God suffered. But God has a way of taking our suffering and using it to accomplish his purposes. And when it says, be joyful in all of your afflictions, because in those afflictions, we know God is using it to produce endurance. And that endurance is producing proven character. And that proven character, that's producing hope. And that's a hope that doesn't disappoint. And you know what? Our world really needs hope right now. Be a display of hope right now. Even through your afflictions, let it produce the hope that does not disappoint. So even after all of that, Let's see what he says. He says, you, after done it, having done everything that you've known to do, what does it say? You, you do everything that you know to do. You pray, you have the armor on, you feel like the, that nothing's working out, you're still feeling the attacks. What does God say? Stand. Don't give up. Don't give him an inch. Don't give the devil an inch. Some might say, oh, it's just an inch. The devil will say, that's all I need. Don't, don't back off. Plant your feet in God with that armor. 2 Samuel 23 talks about David's mighty men. Now, this particular situation, all the other Israelites, they had fled before a Philistine army who were assembled in a barley field. But Shammah, this particular guy, he took his stand in the middle of that field, and he defended it. And it was him and the Lord. The Lord gave him a mighty victory that day. Graham Cook says, even if it's just you and God, that's a majority. Stand your ground and defend the territory that God has given you. And then go after the territory that the enemy has stolen. What are you contending for? Are you contending for your health? Are you contending for a job? Are you contending for your finances, your children, your community, this nation, the world? Stand. Don't give the devil an inch. Don't give up. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Psalm 612. Now, Paul, he was quite familiar with Roman soldiers. And it might very well be that he got his inspiration for this text because of the Roman soldier to whom he was chained while he was writing this letter. Barry, <laughs> we used to live in California, and we went to a church that had amazing productions. It was a very large church, and when they did an Easter performance or Christmas performance, 
they didn't hold anything back. The costumes were exactly what you would expect to see if you went back to that time. Barry was a Roman soldier one year, which probably doesn't surprise you guys if you've seen him dressed up for the children's church a few years back. Actually, it would be neat if he was here today dressed as one. That would be entertaining, but probably not. So <laughs> he thought it would be an interesting idea to go to Starbucks dressed up as a Roman soldier. Yep, that probably doesn't surprise you about Barry either. The metaphorical use of the Roman armor, it paints a vivid picture. It shows us how we're supposed to dress. But if you look closely at this text, you'll see that Paul uses a language that finds its roots in the Old Testament passages about our Messiah, King Jesus, who was dressed for battle, wearing the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. That's in Isaiah 59. He had a belt around his waist, girded up his loins in Isaiah 11.5. And numerous places through Scripture, we see that God himself is the shield. And the sword of the Spirit is described in Isaiah 49. Jesus, he went to battle wearing that armor against the enemy of our souls. He gave his life on the cross, and he went behind enemy lines. And he took the keys of death and hell, and he emerged from that tomb victorious. He had conquered every foe. And now our king says, here's the armor. You can wear it. When now his armor is our armor. When we take on the armor of God, it not only protects us, it is a visual reminder to the spiritual realm of what already has been accomplished through Jesus. Every piece declares that my sin was nailed to the cross and my Savior has disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them pub publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So I take on my Savior's belt of truth, and I declare that he is the way, the truth, the life. And I'm going to abide in him, and I will know the truth, and that truth will set me free. And then I put on the breastplate of righteousness, and I guard my heart, which because the heart from it flows all the issues of life. And I, I depend upon the righteousness that comes from him, because I'm not saved by my own righteousness. I am saved by his mercy. Because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then my feet, they're sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Every step I take leaves a footprint of the good news of Jesus Christ. I am at peace because the Prince of Peace reigns in my heart, and I'm ready to share this good news to a world that longs to know what true peace is. In every situation, I take up the shield of faith. I know that that faith is my first line of defense. My faith is a gift from Jesus himself. He's the author of it, and he's the source of it, and he will perfect it in me. And when the enemy comes at me, and he's shooting the fiery arrows, I'm able to say, no, I belong to him. I belong to Jesus. I have faith in my God, and he is able to save my mind is protected with the helmet of salvation. I am saved, and I am saved by grace. I didn't earn it. I have bought, been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. My past is under the blood. 
My future is protected in his hands, and I trust him to accomplish his good purpose in my life. I know that, and I've entrusted to him, that he's going to fulfill in me everything that he wants to fulfill before I leave this earth. And when my last breath leaves these lips, you better believe that I'll be more alive than ever because I'll be in eternity with Jesus. I take up the razor-sharp sword of the Spirit, and that is God's word, his rhema. I know that his word is living and active. It accomplishes everything that he sends it to do. So I lean into his heart to hear what he is saying in a particular circumstance. And then I ask him to reveal to me just exactly where in his word I can cling to and then take that word and go after that circumstance so that it can cut down every lie and demolish every stronghold. There's another one of David's mighty men listed in 2 Samuel. And his name was Eleazar, son of Dodo. How would you like that name? I wonder how that went in middle school. <laughs> but Eleazar stood his ground against the Philistines. Even though the other men of Israel retreated, the scripture says that this man fought until the sword in his hand stuck to his hand because his hand was tired. He couldn't even open his hand anymore. What an image. We take the sword of the Spirit and we stand firm. And I never want to let go. I want, to, I want that image. I want that sword in my hand forever. I want to fight and not give up, even when I'm tired. I'm not letting go of God's word. So we look at the third element of our triple threat. This is the final one. We stand firm in prayer. With all prayer and petition, we pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, we are on alert with all the perseverance and petition for all the saints. Charles Spurgeon, I love him. Don't know him personally, but I like what he's written. My, he says this, My soul's conviction is that prayer, and I might add prayer in the spirit, that prayer is the grandest power in the entire universe, that it has a more omnipotent force than electricity, attraction, gravitation, or any of those other secret forces which men have called by name, but which they do not understand. I don't know if you've ever been in a, an electrical storm when it's right overhead. Whew, that's scary. My husband was outside trying to secure some things on the back patio, and you could hear, it, felt, it sounded like the atmosphere was tearing. It was like crackling right before the lightning would strike. It was, I thought Barry would die in that moment. So when we pray, what an image. We have something more powerful than lightning. I think it sends a terror into the enemy camp because of what we have access. When we pray in the spirit as the Lord leads, and when we're united in prayer, wow, what a weapon that God has given us. But it's not just submitting a list of requests. So much more than that. God longs to be intimately acquainted with us and for us to know him, to know him, truly know him. So prayer positions our heart to pour out our request to God and to hear his heart as well. It allows you to bring every care and leave it right there because he cares for you. You receive all the mercy and grace you need in that throne room. But if you take the time to listen, 
If you lean into him and ask him, God, what are you saying? He will, he will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. He will give you answers that the world needs to hear right now. He will lead you in a path that you wouldn't have thought to take. Take the time to listen to him. Lean in. This is all about relationship. And that was it. that's what this prayer, the power of it, that's where it comes from. True, par- true prayer, it keeps our focus where it needs to be, our hearts in humility, and our confidence in the one who has secured our victory. Amen. So let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for giving us your power through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the armor that protects us against an enemy. We thank you, Lord, for prayer that we can know you and that we can be alert to pray as you lead for everyone everywhere. Lord, in this time, in each person's living room, in this moment, I pray that you would reach down deep inside them, pull forth the gold that you are producing in this moment in their lives, reveal to them their purpose in this hour. Lord, unite our hearts, unite us as one, even though we're apart. Thank you for the power that is only found in you. We trust you, God. In Jesus' name. I believe that some of you here today who are watching online have joined us, but you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And I want to pray with you right now because he has called you by name. He's been calling you for a long time, and now you are hearing it. So if you could join me, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I am so sorry for the things I've done. The sins in my life I repent of. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you for your forgiveness and your Holy Spirit that you give me. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.